true crime wine time. That's what we got today. Good hellos to you, Michelle. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because I want to say know. good morning and then I don't even know what bloody time of day it is. It's like half past one or something. Do you know what? That's as interesting as the weather report we always start Apologies. With. Apologies, people. <laughs> Avalogi, it's already, already. Hello, eavesdroppers. I'm Geordie. And I'm Michelle. And you are listening to eavesdropping. Well done. So guess who else was listening to eavesdropping at the moment, Ben Michelle? Mendelsohn. I wish. No, I don't think it's no. Ben Mendelsohn. No, Hot Posty Dan. Ah, oh, Hot Posty is all over this podcast right now. What's going on with he Hot Posty? He brought me some letters this morning and he had his earphones in, Michelle, and he said, <laughs> I said, are you listening to me? And he said, yes. He said he, he was listening to the 100th anniversary episode and he can't wait to go back and catch up on all the things that we did previously and before those 100 episodes. And as he was talking to me, he had his earphone off. But halfway through our conversation, he said, oh, I can hear Michelle laughing away in the background. Oh, I can hear you (laughs) out of his earphone. Anyway, that's just what happened to me this morning. How's your day going, Michelle? Fine, except I had a really bizarre thing happen to me. I had a shower and yeah, I know. Did you pee in the shower? No, no, no. Michelle no. doesn't like peeing in the shower. She says Nobody it's not does. right. It's not. It, the well, pipes everybody are all does, wrong. actually. The pipes no. are wrong. Anyway. The pipes are the same. The pipes are the same. Whatever. I don't think it's right. Anyway, I was in the shower, and that's not the weird thing because I'm not a soap dodger. <laughs> I don't know about you. I love a super hot shower. Love it. Oh, God, yeah. And I had this really strange sensation. I was under the hot water. And one hand and one arm, my left arm, to sort of halfway up, it was like it was on fire, like stinging nettles, but not like amplified by 10,000. And all I could think of was someone I know is having their hand or their arm burnt right as we speak. I felt like I was symbiotically feeling someone else's pain and look (gasps) I was really stressed out I thought do I have to ring Jen do I have to ring my sister has one of the kids like burnt themselves I don't know but eavesdroppers I'm so sensitive if someone out there (laughs) burned their arm I feel your pain I feel like I felt someone's pain anyway it was very very weird shell it was very weird. were you crying out in pain making a fuss no. Did you make a fuss? <laughs> well, I was the only one home, so there was no one to make a fuss too with dramatic effect. Oh. You know, I had to sort of keep it in. It really freaked me out. And I did think, oh, my God, these people who, you know, like we had the empath story from mm-hmm. uh, Natty J, whose mom could feel the neck pain of someone who died in a car crash. I mean, honestly, yep. this burning arm, it was fucking terrible. So Shocking. That is shocking. Yeah. But maybe, maybe I'm becoming an empath. I don't know. I don't. Know. I doubt that. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you rich. might be sensitive, Michelle, but you're not that sensitive. So tell me, what else has happened to you this week? So I had some listener listener feedback. Oh, that's always good. We welcome your feedback as long as it's positive. We absolutely do. We because <laughs> we don't want to get our feelings hurt, do we, Michelle? Good vibes only. Good vibes. Only. Exactly. Live, laugh, love. What? (laughs) Sharing is caring. Just, yeah, good vibes only. But no, I had some very nice feedback saying they loved the Marion Barter story (gasps) because people had known about that case and they remembered hearing about it, but they maybe heard about it, you know, a while ago. They'd forgotten the details and, yeah, a few, few messages about people really being moved by that story. Oh, amazing. Michelle, I'd like to ask our eavesdroppers, if you are moved by a story or if you're a bit bored by the stories and you want something a bit juicier, tell us because we want to do what you want to hear. I've actually got a couple of things up my sleeve from lovely eavesdroppers, unpaid intern Al Taggart sent me something the other day, Linda Dwyer, who's amazing and has contributed before, has an incredible idea for a story which I think we ought to do next week and I'll talk to you about that after in our notes meetings, meetings, notes, etc. (laughs) 
<laughs> what else? Yana Kabeli is always sending me things. Tamira is always sending us things. We've got so many lovely eavesdroppers coming up with great ideas. Actually, Yannicka sent me a little note the other day saying she can't believe it, but Anna Delvey, a.k.a. what was it? Well, she's the fake heiress the fake who basically catfished heiress. her. Exactly. She she catfished all her friends for money. She pretended she was a Russian princess and That's what she did. an art dealer in New York. To be fair, she she was a great con woman. She got a lot of money out of a lot of people. Well, she's now under house arrest. She's been released from prison. She is going to star in a new reality show called Delvey's Dinner Club. Netflix. What are you doing? Why give her money for being a dickhead? Because that's how the world is. Honestly, you've got two primetime talents right here, Netflix. Netflix. Why aren't you giving us a TV show? Come on. So basically, this whole TV show is about her having dinner at home with private chefs in an an intimate setting with intimate conversations about her experience within the criminal justice system and her strategy to rebuild her image and her plans for the future. What a shit television show that's almost as exciting as the one about harry and megan complaining about their lives no thanks oh boohoo well i'll tell you right now brasserie uno will not be on that show she can go do one we're not giving her a free dinner she can piss off so yeah but going back to what i was saying before eavesdroppers if you would like to have your fantastic story that you would like to have the eavesdropping treatment spoken about by us then please get in touch you know what to do you go on the emails and you type in eavesdropping no what do you do hello at eavesdroppingpodcast.com thank you i forget things i forget letters and numbers now i just wanted to ask you have you started Mm. happy valley last season not yet no not yet it's not something my family will be watching with me i doubt so no i'm gonna have to wait for some time do you know what michelle i haven't watched any television since i've been back from australia that's like two three weeks now that's the only thing i'm watching right now although i have every now and again been picking up a book i've reacquainted myself with my love of reading oh what are you reading i am reading the new jonathan franzen novel called crossroads it's very good it's very good i'm really enjoying it it's just it was so juicy i just got to a really juicy bit so oh gosh um i'll tell you something else i i tried to do the other day and it was a nightmare so i had to give a, a thank you note to somebody because they did something very kind for me uh it was at one of the hotels and I was just handwriting a note I can barely fucking oh, cramp right no it's just more I used to have beautiful penmanship I just <laughs> type these days have you ever tried to write more than two sentences it's tricky yes I do I hate it it's because you're not used to it no it's really terrible it's so shit I was so embarrassed it looked like a four-year-old had written this like an aunt a drunken aunt had gone scrawling across the page (laughs) really actually really upset me because I used to have quite nice writing well don't let it get you down Michelle I'm sure there are other things that you're good at (laughs) I'm a skillless vacuum of nothing never you tell good stories well thanks I've got one for you today what are you going to tell me about today well it's sort of a mystery it's a bit of a True crime, Tom. Mystery. Okay. True crime. So this case might be familiar to our Australian eavesdroppers because I'm sure at the time it got a lot of coverage. But over on our side of the world, we didn't really hear about this case. And actually, for sad reasons, I will get to at the end of the story. This case was back in the news in 2020. Is this George Pell? No, who's George Pell? Isn't he the recently deceased cardinal, the Vatican, not the Vatican, the priest who was very, very bad, very naughty priest. They all got are. trouble. And he was the top dog of the Australian priests. I know I'm not describing it very well. Really, no. But you'll be glad to hear, no, I'm not talking about that guy oh I was I wanted to guess oh sorry you're not going to guess you won't know this because like I said it didn't really get any traction over our side of the pond so I just want to say a lot of my info comes today from a podcast called what happened to Zach and some juicy reddit posts about this case I'm going to take you to the night of November 13 in 2016. Zach Barnes was, according to his mum, Karen Gudelge, 
G-U-D-E-L-J. How do you reckon you say that? Gudel. Gudelj. Or Gudelj. Gudelj. I don't know. Yeah, according according to Zach's mum, Zach was a pretty typical 18-year-old. He lived at home. He was a bricklayer. He was really social. He had loads of friends. Uh, he loved partying at the weekends before coming home and having his mom cook him, you know, a meal. And I've seen the pics of Zach. He's 18. He is a very good-looking lad. Very mm-hmm. good-looking. According to his mom, Karen, yeah, he, he was never short of girlfriends. You know, he loved, yeah, yeah. loved the ladies' attention. And the ladies loved him. They did. By the sound of it. And he grew up in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales in Australia. Okay. Wine country. Wine country. True crime, wine time. That's what we got today. <laughs> and he was one of four brothers. And actually, for a long time, Karen was a single mum. And she'd left her husband, who was Zach and the boy's dad, because he got mixed up with heroin. Then she met a nice bloke called Mick. And in 2016, when all of this that I'm going to talk about today was happening, uh, his older brother, Jared, was 23. His older brother, Cody, was 21. Zach was 18. And younger brother, Liam, was 16. Plus, his mum had two little girls with Mick. So it it was okay. a big family. A lot of yeah, a lot yeah. of kids. And they lived in a small town called Metford, which is around an hour and a half north of Sydney on the Hunter River. And by all accounts, Zach was a bit of a character. You know, like I said, he had loads of friends. He was really popular. Loved his tats. He was covered in tats and even had one of... Uh, tattoos. Yeah, yeah tattoos. tacks. Oh, he loved his tax. He loved Who to loved do tax? his tax. Oh. I've just done my tax return. Boring. You know, he loved to ink himself up, have some tattoos. And he had one yep. of a VB label. Oh, that's a beer. A brand of Australian beer. It's not the nicest label. It's green and no. awful. Yep. But, you know, that's the kind of shit his, his mum reckons he would do. He just it was a bit of a larrikin. But he was okay. also a sweet kid who was really protective of his mum. Uh, he was responsible. He was kind. He would always fight for the underdogs. You know, he hated bullies. Mm. He was a bit of a clean freak. He was very orderly. But, you know, he was the life and soul of the party rather than just being a party boy. From the age of 17, Karen says, you know, he just really blossomed and, and enjoyed going out with his friends and socializing. And she'd rarely see him on the weekends. But like clockwork, every Sunday he'd be home for lunch to recover from being out with his mates and he'd just, you know, come home and rest a bit. So he'd be ready for work on Monday as a brickie. But that Sunday, November 13, 2016, he didn't come home. Oh, no. So on the Friday before he vanished, Karen says Zach had slept in and he was running late for work. So she dropped him off. He was wearing blue sort of boardy, you know, long kind of shorts but he's a brickie, so, you know, they're a bit trashed. He had a singlet or a vest top, if you're in the UK, that's what we call them, Yeah. and work boots. And Karen says it was just a really quick drop-off when she got to the building site and she didn't even have time to hug him. He just jumped out of the car. But when I read that, I just thought, my God, you just never know at the, the time. When the last time is that you'll yeah, see someone. Yeah. yeah, and I think it really plays on her mind because it was just such mm. an ordinary moment. You know, she's yeah. dropping her son off so he's not late for work. Once Zach got to work, apparently he grabbed some lunch with his workmates and had a, a drink. And I think it must have been a beer or something because he apparently left work early that day because he said he he didn't feel safe on site after having a drink or two. And okay. one of the other brickies drove him um, to a friend's place in East Maitland, which is in the same area, but not you know, not close to Metford. Now, the thing is, on that Friday, when when his mum dropped him off at work, he'd left the house without his wallet or any ID because he said to his mum he was just going to go to his mate's houses that weekend. He wasn't going out clubbing, didn't need his ID, but he had cash. So, you know, it wasn't like he had no money. He just didn't have his wallet, cards or ID. Also... His phone was broken, so he didn't have his mobile with him. He'd busted his phone somehow. Okay. He was basically un- uncontactable. Which, to be fair, most 18-year-old boys are. 
in one way or another. Yeah. Even if their phone is working, often they don't answer. Yeah, of course. And it's not a weird thing that his phone was broken. So yeah. people are like, oh, how could he have a broken phone? Well, actually, I don't think it's that weird. But anyway. Yeah. But this is the part of the story where things get a bit fuzzy and the details are mm. pretty thin. So apparently on Saturday night, Zach was seen at the same friend's house in East Maitland where he'd been dropped off by his workmate. Cody, his older brother, reckons he'd sort of clocked on Snapchat that he'd been looking at stuff. So he just thought his brother was out and about. Although, going back to what I just said about the phone, how was he able to do that if his phone was broken Mm. and he didn't have his phone with him? So I don't know if that's a mis-memory from his brother Cody or... I, I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery. Then, could he have logged on to somebody else's Snapchat? Well, could, could he have used somebody else's phone and logged on with his own login? I guess, but you know, are you saying when he saw that he was looking at things, it meant that he could see that he was active? Yes, exactly. Like his brother could see that he'd been active on on Snapchat. Thing is, okay. like Snapchat's an app, so you'd sort of have to. It, it's annoying to have to log out of your own app yeah. to let someone else log in yeah, sure. just for Snapchat, sure. but. Like, put a pin in that because Snapchat does come back around again in this story. So, you know, basically his his brother had seen he was alive because he'd seen him active on Snapchat. So, he wasn't too worried. But then Sunday rolls around and at lunchtime when Zach would normally walk through the door all, you know, hungover and desperate for food, he's not there. By six o'clock, Zach still hadn't come home, which started to freak the family out. So, because he's not contactable, his mum and and brother Cody got on Facebook because they couldn't Mm -hmm. call him. And they started sending messages to his friends asking if anyone had seen him. Yeah. And Cody also... That's what I used to do. Did you? When I had an 18-year-old, yes. He's now 32. It's hard in mouth stuff, actually, I would imagine. Yeah. And Cody also posted on his Facebook page, like, has anyone seen Zach? Does anyone know where he is? You know, within the hour, they'd got a message saying that Zach was still at the same friend's house in East Maitland, Uh which, like I said, it's sort of near Metford, but not super close. So Cody uh, contacted his friend Bree and asked her to drive over to this Mm -hmm. house in Maitland just to check that he was okay because... They were starting to get worried about him. Now, it's not really clear what Bree's relationship was to Zach or the family more than she was yeah. Cody's mate. But she says she'd been in contact with him over the weekend and around one o'clock on Saturday night slash Sunday morning, Zach had sent Bree a Snapchat that said no other words except dead and Bree was like, what the fuck is this message? What? That's chilling. Yeah. And she messaged him back saying, are you okay? And he replied, fuck no. So when Cody asked Bree to go to East Maitland to check on Zach at this house, she immediately jumped in the car and, and drove there. And apparently when she got there, she saw Zach peeping through the blinds of this house looking really scared. And when <gasps> he saw her, he shut the blinds really quickly. She's apparently knocking, knocking, knocking on the door. Eventually, a guy answered the door and reluctantly and eventually let her inside. And she says, Zach looked really scared and really worried and was acting in an unusual way and kept saying to her, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. What the fuck? Yeah. And she was like, come with me. Get in the car with me. Come with me. I'll drive you home. Your family's really worried about you, but he wouldn't. And he started saying weird stuff to her, which was totally out of character. And there's some speculation about why he might have said this. But one thing she did say that he said to her was, I'll bite your face off if I get in the car with you. And she's like... I'm speechless. I mean, that is like a crazy thing to say to someone. And she was like, we've never fought before. We've never had anything but a nice friendship. And she's like, why the fuck's he saying this? Mm. And she's like, things were getting tense. Did she feel safe in there? I, I don't think you could. When things are escalating like that, you must 
have all your senses on overload and be feeling like, I feel in danger here, something's not right. But eventually, Zach walked to the front door, put on his work boots and walked outside to a car that was there, which was a a silver two-door hatchback. At this point, Bree is like, get the fuck in my car. I'll give you a lift home. But he was like, no, no. And he got in that car. The two guys in the house followed Zach to the car. Bree says they were super chill. They were calm. They didn't seem worried about anything. But Zach got in the back of the silver hatchback and they got in the car with him. Now, Bree says she went over to the car and tried to talk to Zach again. But he was angry and really agitated. And she's like, are you going to be okay? And the guys are saying to her, he'll be fine. He's fine. So eventually she's like, I can't do anything more. So she drives off. But before she drove off, there was a woman in the house. And she went to the woman and said, listen, Zach doesn't have his phone. Can I have your phone number? I'm worried about him. Uh, They swap numbers basically. Okay. And Bree is quite freaked out. So she gets in her car and immediately calls a friend who lives really nearby and drives over to see her. And she just like dumps on her mate, like all the weird shit that's just gone down. Yeah. Thing is, she's talking to a friend. Like she's gone to the friend's house and she's talking to the friend. So she's not monitoring her phone. After 20, 25 odd minutes, whatever, she sees she's had two missed calls from the girl at at the house where Zach was. So she calls back and she's like, hi, what's happened? And she says, when Zach had gotten into this silver car, they'd driven off, but Zach jumped out of the car and now no one can find him. And she's like, what? Why did he jump out of the car? What's going on? Was he scared of something? She's like, fuck it. Stay there. I'm coming back to the house. So I'll, I'll help you look for him. At this point, has she not called back Zach's family who sent her there in the first place? I don't know. Okay. But she races back to the house and when she gets to the house, the two guys and the girl are all there. They're just like, yeah, he got out of the car and yeah, we don't know where he is. That's it. They're not really saying too much. So according to the two guys in the car, Zach had stayed there over the weekend and when he woke up on that Sunday, he seemed fine. But over the course of the day, he got moody and agitated and stressed out and said he wanted to get a train at Thornton Station, which is sort of nearby, which is where Mm. they were apparently going to after they saw Brie. But on the way to the station, Zach said, stop the car. And then he jumped out and ran off. And it was the last time that anyone saw Zach. Wow. When I was listening to this, I just thought, so many things going on in your mind, I'm sure. There are in mine. Well, same. But also, the thing that I kept thinking was, if this is a silver two-door hatchback and he's in the back, they need to get out to be able to let the exactly. person in the For back. Sure, that's obvious. Oh, fuck, I didn't think of that. And the thing is, he supposedly jumped out of the car on a busy road at an intersection with houses on one side. That didn't happen. A bit of land on the other, a wall and the railway line, and then... A really like full-on swamp and bushland. Didn't happen. I mean, for number one, he didn't jump out of a car, with, which is a hatchback. No. It's fucking impossible. Simple. You know, yeah. you can't. And the thing is, his mum says, if you get out at the spot that they say he got out at, you can't, you can't actually get home from there because there's like train tracks. You, like you can't cross. Like it's really hard. The thing is too... The two guys in the car have told the police a few different locations where they say Mm. Zach got out. So there are discrepancies in their story, for sure. By Monday, no one had seen him. And obviously, Bree had told the family, listen, he's jumped out of the car. So they're thinking, he's just jumped out of the car to get away from these people. Is he going to show up? He'll be back. Yeah. He's not. So... On the Monday is when the family went to the police to report him missing. And apparently in Australia, when someone goes missing, the police give you sort of like run through four options with you. Mm. The first one, has he run away? And they ask you things like, was he happy at home? Did he have a reason to run away? And Zach's mom, Karen, has ruled this out because... She says he was really happy at home. He had a good relationship with everyone in the family. And also 
She's like, he went out that weekend with no change of clothes, no wallet, no ID. If he was going to run away, she reckons he would have slipped back into the house when no one was there, taken his stuff, got his wallet, got his ID, picked up some clothes and then run away. But also, Geordie, the guy's 18. He's got his freedom. He's got his job. He's got a nice life, a nice family. Like, what's he running away from? You know, it's a bit strange. Since he's been missing, his bank accounts and Medicare have never been accessed. So Karen absolutely insists her son's not a runaway. Yeah. Then the second thing they ask you is misadventure. You know, did something happen to him or did he have an accident on his way home after jumping out of the car? You know, did he trip over? Did he hurt himself on the way home? Did he fall into the quarry which was nearby or end up in the swamp or something else? And the Mm. thing is, the police and the family have done really extensive searches of the bushland and the swamp and a quarry actually that is near where he was meant to have jumped out of that car. And there are other like bodies of water around there. I mean, it's on the Hunter. It's on on the river. So, you know, there's a lot of water in this area, a lot of lakes. So apparently there have been searches by divers, a lot of sonic detection searches, but the quarry has never been dredged. And look, according to his mum, nothing of Zach's has ever been found. You know, not a shirt, the work boot never shown up. There's no torn wow. fabric on a tree, like nothing. There's no belongings that have shown up anywhere. So in Karen's mind, she's ruled out misadventure. Mm. Also, of course, there's no CCTV in the bushland where apparently they say he's he ran towards. But there is CCTV at Thornley train station which is where he was meant to have gone. It's been viewed by detectives. They're like, he never went there. They looked at other train stations in the right. area as well. He he was never there. And this is a fairly recent occurrence, 2016. It wasn't really that long ago. No. And, you know, like technology is good enough for it to be fairly reliable. Yeah. So the other option they put to you is suicide. But Karen says that Zach did not have any mental health issues. And she's like, you know, he was just just a nice, normal kid who had a a brickies job, loads of friends and was popular. Like he didn't have anxiety. He didn't have anything like that. So she thinks it's unlikely. I think she thinks that if it was suicide, surely there would be some clue about where the body is. You know, someone Mm. could have found it by now. Also, she reckons if he did want to commit suicide, he didn't have a car. So if he wanted to jump out and and do it and kill himself, well, it would have to be in the area where he was running to or from, like reasonably local because he didn't have a car to like drive an hour into some really remote bit of bush where no one will find him. He was on foot. So she's ruled that out. She did say that, you know, 18-year-olds are prone to do, you know, he was probably dabbling with soft drugs. But she and she says, you know, look, Obviously, that could be a factor in his disappearance. Maybe his mind was not mm-hmm. right. But she does not think that it was suicide. And then, of course, the police say they need to look at foul play. And yes. even though no one has any evidence for this, she really believes he's been the victim of foul play and that someone mm-hmm. knows something and knows yeah. what happened to him and has killed him for God knows what reason. There's two guys in the car. I mean, where were they going? Well, they're saying that Zach wanted to go to Thornley train station. That's why he jumped in the car. But the thing is, Bree was there to give him a lift. To give him a lift all the way home, yeah. Nothing makes sense. What do you think? I'm not sure about that. Moving on, you know that I love a psychic detective. Yes. And according to Karen, who, by the way, is a very devout practicing Christian and does not believe in psychics as they go against her faith. Well, okay. It turns out she's been getting calls from people who say they have messages for her from Zach wow. and information oh that no one could possibly know. My goodness. Okay, yeah. what is it? So, the first thing that happened to her was after Zach went missing, Karen had this house that she was selling. But she was not selling it or listing it under her name. 
And in fact, the sale was listed under her colleague's name. And I don't really know why. Maybe it has something to do with she felt like there was too much media attention on her at that time. Sure. But the thing is, no one could have known that it was her selling that place, right? Okay. She was at one of the viewings and this couple and their friend uh, came to view the house and the friend kept staring at her and came up to her and said, listen, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I need to tell you something. And honestly, Jordy, when I was listening to this, all guess what? Hazel, the psychic real estate agent. That's exactly what I thought. Boom. That's yeah. all I could think of was like, oh my God, we're <laughs> going to have a Hazel moment. Because this guy comes up to Karen and he says, he sees things and he receives messages and visitations. And he's like, I have to share something with you. And he said, there's this boy and he's been coming to me for the past week. I don't know at what point this boy has like started coming to him, if he'd connected the dots or whatever it was. He said, this boy is really strong willed. And he says, you've got to tell my mom, you've got to tell my mom. And, Mm. you know, he's like saying to this, this boy, like, what do you want me to tell her? And the guy says to Karen, this boy had said, tell my mom I didn't commit suicide. Okay. Then this guy starts describing someone and it doesn't sound like he's describing Zach at all. And then he says to the mom, does the name Cody mean anything to you? And Karen's like, fuck, this person you're describing isn't, isn't Zach. You're, you've described Cody. And the guy says, listen, Zach is really worried about him because he's really traumatized. So please like, look after my brother, keep an eye on him. He's the youngest one, is he? He's older. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then he says, Zach was showing him things. And he says, I see Zach getting into a grey car. Mm. Now, as we know, Zach got into a silver car. But at the time, that information was not released to the public. All that had been released to the public was that Zach was missing. He was last seen at this intersection, blah, blah, blah. No one knew about this silver car. And then he says, he can see that Zach got into the car And that he can see him running from the car. But then he gets back into the car and he says he also sees that Zach is in house with three people there. A man who is aged between 37 and 40. And apparently he he starts sort of channeling Zach's feeling. And he says Zach's heart is racing and Zach is saying, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm not like my dad. I'm not like my dad. Right. And like we mentioned at the top of this story... He had a heroin problem. Yeah, he did. He wasn't a dealer. He was just an addict. Yeah. And he mentioned drugs. And there was no way this guy could have known that Zach's dad was a a heroin addict. So when Karen's hearing this, she's totally freaked out. And then she says that the guy told her the older man puts a package of drugs on this table. And Zach is there saying, I don't want this. I don't want to be a part of it. And then... He turns to Karen and he says, it's at this point that that's when Zach was killed. He was resisting. Yeah. You look confused. What are you confused about? Well, I thought he didn't come back in the car, but you're saying that he went off in the car, then he came back in the car. Yes. And then he died. So what the guy is saying, he went off in the car, he was running from the car, he got back Mm. in the car and then went back to that house, three people in that house, then this whole drug kind of transaction starts Episodes. happening yeah. and Zach's freaking out like I don't want to be a part of this and that's and, and he's him. resisting and that's when he's killed. But what doesn't make sense is when the girl went over earlier and he had an opportunity to leave. Why didn't he leave? Maybe he was feeling threatened, scared. You don't know mm. what was happening. I mean, no. he was peeping through those blinds. Yeah. So he was obviously not just like chilling out with mates and and a beer, you know. So after that experience, Karen, who is totally against going to psychics, thought, fuck it, I need to do something. And she went to see a psychic called Susie Price. And she had a reading with her. And Susie tells her that, you know, she connects with, with dead people and she asks them for information. So she can establish trust between Karen and Zach and that everyone knows that she is talking to Zach. So she asks Karen to confirm some memories that only they'll know. 
And she talks about Cody and some specific memories and Karen's like, yeah, everything she said was really spot on. They checked out, yeah. And then she says, you know, Zach says you're going into his room locked and standing there wondering whether to pack up his stuff and put all his stuff in boxes and that you don't know what to do. And Zach says, please, mom, it's okay to pack my boxes. Cody can have my clothes and please give Cody my watch. And Mm -hmm. she said, this is absolutely spot on. And then Karen says to, sorry, um, Susie tells Karen that they will eventually find Zach's body. She says there's going to be a coronial inquest and that she can Mm. see his funeral. And there are thousands of people at this funeral. And Karen got really upset by this. She's like, fuck, I can't put him in a grave and leave him there. And she's like, no, 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 you're not going to bury him. Zach is telling me he wants to be cremated. He wants some of his ashes spread over Harrington Break Wall, which apparently, and Susie Price did not know this, is a place where the family would go every single Christmas. So it was really important to the family. And he said he Mm. wants the rest of the ashes to stay at home. And she says, listen, Zach got caught up in something that he shouldn't have and people will go to jail for this. But then she says... The body, it's here. It's in Thornton and it's in a shallow grave. She said they he wasn't always there. They've moved him. They've moved him. Yep. Oh, my God. Then she gets a call from a woman in Sydney who says, listen, my mum needs to talk to you. And basically yeah. she ends up speaking to this woman who says, I speak to the dead or they speak to me and I know where Zach's body is. And even though this woman has never been to the hunter, has no clue about any of this geography, she starts describing an area with really like detailed precision. It's swamp. She describes colour bond fences, which is all the fencing in Australia. And she says, he didn't run away. Someone hurt him. And Karen is freaking out. And she's like, you know, where is he? Where is he? But this woman won't tell her. She's like... I'm not going to say too much, but the police will know what happened to him when they find him. And she said, he's lying face down in the mud in the swamp. Mm. So Karen, who follows every lead, she rounds up a whole load of people and they do a grid search of exactly where this woman says Zach is. And they are there for hours searching, but they're not having much luck. So she gets on a video call with this woman and she's like, I'm here. Where the fuck is he? And the woman is looking on the video and she's like, there's a woman over there with a red shirt. She's really close to him. Go there. That's the spot. So they run over there. Oh, my God. And they go there and there is this horrific smell. (gasps) Okay. Well, the thing is they don't find Zach and this smell is just like really vile. It's just like death. Yeah. Yeah. And because they were like, fuck, we found him. But the thing is that it really freaked Karen out to the point where she's like, I can't do this. And she calls off the search. Thing is, the search got reported in a couple of the local newspapers. Over the next couple of days, Karen starts feeling like a bit like, fuck, man, I can't let this rest. I should have kept that search going. I need to go back. I haven't properly looked for him. So a few days later on the Saturday, basically a week after the search, she goes back to the swamp to that very same spot that the psychic had said Zach was. And when she yeah. goes there, there are all these footprints directly at that spot. <gasps> really large, heavy footprints made oh, by no. heavy boots. And there were dog prints there. And she's like, fucking great. You know, at last, the police are looking here. They've brought the dogs. She's like, brilliant. Because she said the footprints were really specific. They were going to that spot and away in a very organized back and forth Mm. way there was no other footprints anywhere else it was directly to that spot and then away she calls up the detectives and she's like amazing you know like I can see you've been out here did you find anything Mm -hmm. you know I can see you've been searching with the dogs and they're like what are you talking about we haven't been there and she's like well someone's been here and that's when Mm -hmm. the penny drops someone read Mm -hmm. about the search went back moved the body yeah. So basically, the upshot here, Shit. I know, the upshot here is seven years later, Zach still has not been found. It's a mystery what's happened to him. And the family have no answers, and no one is any closer to knowing the mystery behind Zach's disappearance. 
Oh, that's terrible. But what's really awful for this family, going back to what I said at the very beginning, tragically in 2020, Zach's younger brother, Liam, committed suicide. So this family has been through the fucking ringer. That's so sad. So look, this MISPA, missing persons case, is still active and I'll put some links in the show note in case anyone knows of anything. So yeah, there you go. That's the mystery of Zach Barnes. Not solved. That's really sad. Oh gosh. Michelle, it's heartbreaking. I was hoping that you could tell me at the end of that. No. Exactly where he was, who done it. All of that. It's a mystery. It's the mystery episode. It's a mystery. How real is real life? Not as real as you. Go and get real. Get real. It's an eavesdrop and chitty chatty time. Well, staying in Australia Ooh. and staying with mysteries, I have a little story to tell you today. It's not about, it, it's no true crime, I'm afraid, for those of you hankering after some true crime. I'm going to tell you something which was sparked by a conversation I had with a friend of ours, Mr. BK Harvey, a.k.a. Brynden. So my friend Brynden told me that he once saw something very strange or didn't see it. Okay. Actually. Okay. Intriguing. Intriguing. He was in a car with three other people. They were all driving along a dusty road in the Dewar National Park. Now, that's just inland of where I went to high school in Australia, southeast coast, New South Wales, mm-hmm. Maruya. So there's a place called the Dewar, which is quite, it's quite, what do you call it? Wolf Creaky. Oh. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anywhere that's not the coast is Wolf Creaky to me. Coast or city, it's a Wolf Creek situation in my mind. That's how frightened I get when I go inland. I think about all those hunting men with their... bit deliverance, isn't it? Yeah, a bit deliverance. So they're on the, in the Dewar National Park and they're driving an old E.H. Holden, which is like a vintage car, kind of, mm. yeah, a cool one. So there's four of them in the car, including Brendan. Brendan's reading a comic. Now, who can read when they're in a car? <laughs> Brendan <Honestly, can. laughs> Wouldn't you feel sick? I'm sure you would. Anyway, he was reading this comic. Suddenly the car stopped and they're all aghast in the car, except Brind, because he didn't, didn't see. But the three others in the car with him were all looking and Brendan looked up and he saw that the dust on the road, it was a dusty track, had been kicked up not going forward like there was a car ahead of them, Mm -hmm. but going across the road that they were travelling on. So something had gone at great speed across the road, across them. Like a kangaroo. Like a kangaroo. Probably a kangaroo. But what they thought they'd seen was not a kangaroo. The driver, Mm -hmm. we'll call him Damo, thought that he'd seen a grand piano on the back of a ute. Now, that's a very specific description, isn't it? What the fuck? Yeah. They were standing. They were just sitting in that car, staring at the road, trying to figure out what they'd seen, and eventually, the only explanation was they had witnessed a doolaga. What? Do you know what a doolaga no, is? No, I do not. I've never heard of it. Well, doolaga is the Yuan name. Now, Yuan is the the local nation of people, the uh, indigenous Australians who inhabit that area of the south coast. So, I'm from Yuan country, mm-hmm. right? Yuan name for a wild man or otherwise known in Australia as a Yowie. Oh, my God. There's a word you haven't heard I haven't heard about that. Yes. Isn't there an ice cream called a Yowie? I think there is. But a Yowie, for, for those of you who aren't Australian, a Yowie is also known as Sasquatch in North America, mm. uh, Bigfoot somewhere else, don't know yeah. where. And what else do we call him? Uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Oh, there's another one, isn't there? I'll remember. Yeah, I'll hear it. I, I I'll remember. remember. No, me either. We've done an episode on we have. on the the big wild man in the past. Yeah. Yes. So wild men, wild man. So it's not mythical. It's not like a mythical creature. But the Yuan people and just all of the First Nations people of Australia believe that the Yowie is not like a cryptid or something like a made up Loch Ness monster, but it's actually another race of people. Wow, that's actually very interesting. Isn't I like it? I like that idea actually. I do too. They're also known as yahoos. That is a, that's an Aboriginal word for them. Yahoos, you bunch of yahoos. <laughs> so 
Yaoi means hairy people. There's thought to be two different tribes of them. One is smaller at around four or five feet tall, a bit like you, Michelle. Yes. And one is larger, like Sasquatch, above six feet and the more aggressive towards humans. So altogether, Michelle, it sounds like you and me, doesn't it? <laughs> one's big and aggressive. The other one's small. Well, you can be a Yahoo. I'll be the Yaoi. All right. <laughs> I'll wear it. So some First Nations people, like I said before, claim that they are another race of people and that they coexisted with the Yowie for centuries. And there are stories and songs that are passed down through the people Mm -hmm. about attacks between the two races. Okay. Now, of course, there's going to be some scepticism about the existence of these creatures. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) But some do, I mean... I've never heard this idea that they are an ancient species of hominid that has escaped its extinction or even a surviving population of giant short-faced kangaroo, which is almost like a dinosaur, I suppose, mm. a kangaroo dinosaur. Okay. Could they have been something that just made it through? But there is cave art that shows them side by side with the human-sized Aborigine people, but there's these big old tall hairy yahoos next to them in the caves right so it must be true but also to remember there is all of this um folklore and dreaming is it dreaming dreaming. is it dreaming is it real so that's the thing it's a gray area we don't know it yeah but from testimonies that i'm about to tell you you can decide for yourself people and michelle for example when the colonist first arrived in Australia, on the first fleet, Mm -hmm. which was back in 1788. This is the British colonists led by the discovery of Australia from Captain James James Cook. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you've got the first fleet. Uh, The indigenous people were warning the settlers to watch out for Yowie when exploring bushland and mountains. And in a letter from the colony of Australia to London in 1820, there was an encounter that was described from the year 1789 by convicts and a party of marines who were on a hunting trip and they go on in the letter to describe that the men had killed some wallabies but were returning to the settlement when they spotted an animal twice the size of human watching them from a nearby hill <gasps> oh spooky. spooky stuff so this big fella yowie as we'll call him <laughs> is usually described as being between six feet eleven that's tall and 12 foot, which is about 3.6 metres. It's even taller Long. than your husband. Oh, yeah, way taller. He's a wild man. And the Yowie, <laughs> and the Yowie's feet are way bigger than a human's, but alleged Yowie tracks are inconsistent in shape and tone number. And it has been said that they seem to go backwards. It's weird. The nose is described as wide and flat, and they're said to be timid or shy, but sometimes violent and aggressive. So I guess it depends on the situation. Well, yeah, quite extreme. It's one or the other. Yeah. Make your mind up. <laughs> Older descriptions of, of a creature looking like a man, but not like a man, with long white hair hanging down from the head over its face have been found. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that they've got really long arms and long curly fingernails. Ooh. And the feet, like I said, turn backwards. So the imprint of the foot appears as if it's, it's travelling in the opposite direction. So basically, they're describing a hideous monster. They are, but is it a genetic kind of one-off? Yeah, like an anomaly. Yes, and that's what's happening. They've been outcast from society rather than a whole race of them. It's quite strange. Well, they do seem to get about. You said the other week that there are some in Northern Ireland. Well, that's one of the beliefs. That's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. There's an old guy from the Giringai people called Old Bunjeri. He's quite famous, or Bungeri, who lived between 1775 and 1830. He was very famous as being an explorer, an entertainer, and a community leader. And he talked of this tribe of Yahoos, and he said that they were the original inhabitants of the country. Oh. They were the race before his people came. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. So that's what some of the older Aborigines believe. Evolution of man, Darwinian down exactly. the line. Okay. Something skipped a beat, something skipped over somewhere before the mm. humans became the main guys. And in the 1950s, there were accounts of indigenous apes which appeared in something called the Australian Town and Country Journal, which must have been like a magazine or a paper or something back then. So in the 1850s, there were accounts of indigenous apes and then 
six years later, there was an article called Australian Apes by an amateur naturalist named Henry James McCooey. McCooey! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> had to do it. He claimed to have seen an indigenous ape on the south coast of New South Wales. And he wrote this. A few days ago, I saw one of these strange creatures on the coast between Batemans Bay and Ulladulla. That's where I'm from. I should think that if it was standing perfectly upright, it would be nearly five feet high. It's one, one of your lot, Oh, it's Michelle. a little one. It's a little... Little Yowie, yeah. not a Yahoo. <laughs> it was tailless, no tail, like me, and covered with very long black hair, like me, which was of a dirty red, <laughs> a dirty red or snuff colour about the throat and breast, like you. Sometimes <laughs> I don't, want, like you, I don't want to talk about the hairy nips anyway. <laughs> oh dear. Its eyes, which were small and restless, were partly, <laughs> not you, partly hidden by matted hair that covered its head. I threw a stone at the animal, whereupon it immediately rushed off. So not a brave little thing. What does that sound like? I don't know what that I sounds don't know. like. It's a bit it strange. It sounds like an unusual creature that you just can't make head nor tail of, possibly. Yeah. But anyway, if you go and look on YouTube, on the YouTubes, you'll find something called Where's My Yowie? It's a channel. Uh, the guy's called Jamie, the host, and he, he told a story, which is from the early 80s, by a guy called Robert, who went on a hunting trip in central Tasmania with a group of men, and in the early hours, they all heard a huge rock splash, which was heard in the nearby river. And the men could actually hear the rock hitting the riverbed. After they heard two more of these splashes, they went to find out what was going on. And they saw, they saw with their own eyes, Michelle, an eight-foot tall, hairy and brown man-like creature running away. And he left huge wet footprints on the boulders and they just took off. Then the guy said, "Yeah, like it was trout season. So it was sometime later, six of these guys go hunting again. And it was on the eve of trout season. So they were sitting there on their camping trip with loud music blaring, fireworks, singing and generally being dickheads, which is his <laughs> own description of himself, okay. awaiting midnight to cast the first line so they would do it legally. Uh, between the songs, they heard a shocking, intense roar that seemed to come from far away but echoed throughout the area. So the group of men fell silent. They looked at each other and said, Bigfoot. <laughs> then they kept silent for the rest of the trip. Now, the host of this Where's My Yowie YouTube channel said he just wanted to know what was the song that made the y- the Yowie yell out. What was it? News, what he was said. it? I don't know. They never answered. Oh. Here's something from the Sunshine Coast News. Now, there's a postie, much like our own postie, Michelle. Mm-hmm. But this one's Ron Quinton of Queensland. He said that most sightings were reported around the Beerwa or Mapleton National Park's and Glasshouse Mountains and surrounding bushland of the Sunshine Coast, which is far north Queensland, Michelle. He said that the two most common types of Yowie sightings around the region were the big fellas that I spoke about earlier and the smaller three to four foot version. He said they're girthy with big feet, shaggy or short hair. He said the small ones are fast and even the big ones they moved quite quickly through the bush and he said it was phenomenal the way they moved. Nimble. He also said the Bigfoot's temperaments are unpredictable. They're more curious than anything. They will come in close and check you out. (gasps) Give you a little sniff. Imagine. He said, you don't find them. They find you. And he said, believe me, those things are out there. And something else came up in that that article from Quinton, Posty Ron Quinton. He was talking about something known as eye shine. Have you ever heard about no, that? No. You were talking last week about the dogs on the CCTV and you knew they weren't ghosts because they had a, a eye shine, I guess. Well, disco I call it disco eyes, but So we're talking about disco eyes here then, I, yeah. I suppose. They're usually red but sometimes yellow and I found this report on the internet and it said it was talking about a Yowie, and the Yowie was known locally as Old Yellow Eyes. <laughs> An eyewitness had seen the Yowie's eye shine changing from yellow to red and back again. And so had a Sydney policeman Ooh. who wanted to remain anonymous. <laughs> and a professional shooter, whatever that is, also observed this and says that the creature's eyes glow red when it's facing both the light and the observer, but change to yellow as it begins to look away. Oh, strange. A lot of people have seen this thing. A lot of people. 
Here's another testimony. When a lady heard her dog bark hysterically, she opened a second story window and heard what sounded like two or more large creatures crashing through the scrub towards her back fence. She was sure they weren't human because of the loudness and the frequency of tree and branch snapping. Mm. Quite substantial trees were being snapped over a period of about five minutes. Jesus. Then she heard vocal sounds coming from a few metres behind the fence, her own fence. Vocal sounds? Oh, my God. The voice quality was so foreign sounding that she knew it wasn't human. Mm, scary. When the voice sounds stopped, the woman and her husband shone a powerful torch along the fence line and saw about seven feet above ground level a set of bright, iridescent, greenish-blue eyes. <gasps> they also saw what they thought might be a different set appear briefly about a metre to the right. And in the morning, they found a lot of trampled grass and many dead trees pushed over and some snapped. Don't live in the bush. I know. Is my advice to you. It's scary. It's scary. I mean, you know, we had a ghost in the bush last week. Got bush yes. antics this week. My God, it is scary. You're so isolated out there. I know. It's beautiful though. Posty Ron. Posty Ron says he has heard of so many people who've seen and come into contact with these yaoi's mm. and he's actually said that me and a friend had five surrounding us. Oh. So we're not just talking about one or two. There are five. He said I was very concerned. Yes. Concerned, mate. I'd be shitting my pants. He said all we could see was their eye shine in the pitch black. We could hear them shuffling closer and closer. Oh. Well, hang on. It was pitch black, Ron. Were you really surrounded by yowies? Or did it just could seem you see them? like that? Well, he saw the eye shine. Exactly. He saw five eyes shining, potentially. Five, ten, potentially. actually. I mean, that's frightening in itself. Ten eyes. <laughs> so most recently, a seven-foot Yowie was allegedly spotted in 2016 mm. by a woman bushwalking in the mountain ranges near Toowoomba, which is also Queensland. Mm. She said the Yowie didn't give a shit about her <laughs> and basically was said to have just sat down in the long grass and ignored her. She didn't give a shit, mate. Didn't give a shit. Nah. Then there's the Ipswich Yowie, which was caught on camera in 2017. I tried to find this. I couldn't find it. But there was a guy who was trying to film a flock of cockatoos but ended up capturing a, a hairy yahoo. Wow. I want to see that footage. It's. I know. I couldn't find it. Maybe I wasn't looking for long enough. I don't know. But they also say, those who've seen the Yowies also say that there is an accompanying stench. Ew. Very, very smelly. So do you believe in Yowies, Michelle, after all that? Do you know what? I like to think that it's a hard maybe. A hard maybe. A hard fact. maybe. <laughs> because I do think there could be things out in the bush. Australia is big. Like our bushland is is dense. Vast. Yeah. And we've spoken about this before in other countries that have oh, yeah. vast, dense bushland. I mean, there's bodies people never find. So why not yaoi's that they never find? But what about this, Michelle? You know how I was talking earlier about the European settlers back in the day? Well, mm. some of them sent a specimen of a creature back to London that everybody thought was fake. It was an egg-laying, duck-billed, beaver-tailed, otter-footed mammal. And no one could believe it was true until more specimens were sent. And now, of course, we've got them on the back of a 20-cent piece and it's known as a platypus. So stranger things have happened, Michelle. <laughs> Perhaps there are yahoos out there. If there's such a thing as a platypus, why can't there be such a thing as a yowie? I agree. Huh? I keep my mind open to these things. Mind open. Mind open, people. Mind open. I love those stories. I love the fact that it just could be true. Sounds like there's tons of them as well. Yeah. First Nation people, you've got to listen. They know their shit. They know that land. So could yeah. be. And I guess as long as as long as long that it gets passed down in their songs and their stories, mm. which is probably not happening as much these days, I'm, I'm sorry no. to say. And I hope that it's, it does still happen because it's a beautiful culture. Wow. Well, thank you so much. That was absolutely My fantastic. Pleasure. I love mythical creatures i know you love a mythical creature well are they or are they really just another extinct a nearly extinct race who knows but thank you michelle as well for telling us all about the, the sad story of zach barnes it's very sad and i suppose they'll have to look at the links to find out more information and we'll watch this space i hope that they that family finds some sort of resolution to their story at least find out what happened to their son well, if the psychics are correct, then there will be closure for this family. Mm, well, I certainly hope so. Talking about closure, Geordie. Closure. We need closure. I do. 
Would you like some closure, Michelle? Let's give you some closure and everybody out there, you lovely eavesdroppers, because you know what you're supposed to do, don't you? You know what's next. <laughs> Wherever you are. Whatever you do. Just, just keep, keep eavesdropping. 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 Eaves